Praise the Lord. Amen. Woo, man, we just sang a song of complete truth. Amen. Praise God, man. The truth is that, that God sent his son to redeem us, to, to, to buy us back for his glory. Amen. That's the truth, man. And that Jesus Christ, the truth is, is that Jesus Christ, he lived. He did many miracles, showed us a way, man. He gave us an example of what it looks like to live a life filled with his Holy Spirit. And then he was crucified and he died. That is the truth. Amen. And the truth is, is that he, that the grave couldn't hold him down because he's God, amen? And he got up and the tomb is empty, amen? Praise the Lord. The truth is, is that he is Lord of all. And the question is, is your truth, all right? Is it true that he is Lord of your life? That's the question, amen? Come on. Praise the Lord, man. We're going through. Hi, welcome to the church. Praise the Lord. So, hi, my name's Ernie. What's yours? All right. So, <laughs> like to get a little crazy there a little bit, but, but we're going through this book uh, in the scriptures called the, the Letter to the Ephesians. All right. And we've been going through this, man, for a couple of months now. We've got about another month and a half of this, maybe about two more months-ish left of this, of this book, this mighty, mighty book. And we've been calling this series, the whole series, A Firm Foundation. Basically, a firm foundation. And it has been leading us to put together three major aspects of our life. Who we are, all right, uh, how we think, all right, and how we live. All right, who we are, how we think, and how we live. And we've been, we, you know, basically what we, what, what we believe, all right? Who we are, what we believe, man. What is your theology? What, is, how, what do you believe about God? And we've been challenging that through this book of Ephesians. And here's it, here it is. For, man, I'll put this up there, man, because for, for who we are, it governs what we think, right? Who we are is gonna govern, is gonna, is gonna lead what we think. And what we think is gonna determine how we live. It's a fact. What you believe about God, all right, what you believe about God, your quote-unquote theology is what is leading your life today. What you believe or what you don't believe about God. So if that's true, then it is important that you know the truth of God, amen? Very, very important. Somebody says doctrine doesn't matter. Actually, it does, all right? What you believe about God truly, truly matters, all right? And because of this, it's essential that you and I, that we cultivate this life, that we activate this life in Christ, that we cultivate this life in Christ. We tend to it. We grow it just like you would grow a garden, man. You grow this life. It isn't just like, oh, I gave my life today. I got wet. Woo-woo. All right? Done. No, it isn't done. It's just starting. All right? And it requires cultivation, man. It requires some watering. It requires some care. Proper amount of, you know, sunlight and whatnot, man. It, it requires that we cultivate it. But it also requires that we activate it. In the, in the hallways, man, you see all these tables? These tables are tables for, for you to activate your faith. There are some amazing tables. Just get out there and take a look at them. You say, ah, you know what? There's a lot of tables that are all about what's taking place right here in the church. You're saying, I can't preach and I can't play music. Yeah, but they got tables for people who can't preach and play music all along the hallway here and in the lobby. You say, well, I don't see my ministry here in church. Guess what? There is a huge table in the back corner in there that is the ministry of the church in the community. It's called the Recenter. You need to get engaged. We need to activate this faith. 
Right, it's essential. I like what John Stott says right here. I'll put this up there. It's kind of a big quote. You might want to take a picture of it because I don't think you have time to write it down. He says, only when we have grasped clearly, and may I add truly, who we are in Christ, that the desire will grow within us to live a life that is worthy of our calling and fitting to our character as God's new society. Only when you recognize the truth of who you are in Christ, all right, when you start to grab a hold of that, then you're going to start realizing, all right, that you need to grow in this, that it's not a one-shot deal. Right, and, that's, and that's why we're in this mini-series within this series of Ephesians. We're in this mini-series called Uncontrolled. And uncontrolled, man, is this this idea that you know, we claim to have control over our life. Ain't nobody controlling my life. I got total control. But wait a second. Sometimes your life gets a little out of control. Sometimes your mouth gets a little out of control. Sometimes your eyes are just getting a little out of control of the things you're allowing in your life. Sometimes your life just gets a little out of control because, in fact, you're being controlled by the things that are outside of your life. And this whole idea of uncontrolled is a life in Christ will not be controlled by anything outside of Jesus Christ. Come on, man, it's time for us to be the church, amen? amen. All, right. All right, because it's real easy to be controlled by things in life that we don't think are controlling us, man. And a lot of times, these are just lies that are in the world, man, because there's a lot of lies out there about us. There's a lot of lies out there about God. There's a lot of lies out there about the world. And Jesus is the truth. He said the truth that came to set you free. One time Jesus was talking, all right, and I shared a little bit of this a few weeks ago, but he was at the temple, man, at the temple there in Jerusalem. This is where all this worship takes place. It was this holy, holy place, man. And he was sitting out there just preaching and teaching to the folks, right? And the religious leaders, the one who was supposed to set the tone of truth in the community, came up and started challenging him. All right, these are the guys that were supposed to say, they were, the, they were the Pharisees, the scribes, they were these guys, all right? Back in the day when these guys actually started, see, the Pharisees weren't always bad people, all right? Back in the day when they originally started, Israel had become kind of a very godless nation, all right? Because they were being controlled by other nations and they just kind of went with the flow. And finally, these guys said, wait, we have the law, we have the book, we have the testimony of the one and only true God, all right? And the people ain't listening. So the Pharisees says, you know, so, well, a group of people, several groups said, we're gonna study these, these laws and we're gonna lead the people in them. Well, some people said, no, we're gonna study them. And you know what? I don't wanna be around these people because they're dirty. And they went and just hid in the mountains. Well, these guys said, you know what? These guys were good. We said, well, we're, we're going to be among the people. We're going to live separated from the people so that we can lead them to live a life that is separated from the world as the people of God. They kind of had a pretty good start, but they got carried away with themselves. All right? They got a little carried away with themselves. And they came and they started challenging Jesus as he's, as he's teaching all the people. And they ain't hearing it, man. They're, they're, they, again, they're supposed to set the tone for truth in the community, all right? And here they are challenging the truth, the only one truth, all right, as he is sharing the truth, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, he's this guy, he says, look at, man, he says, look at in John chapter 8, verse 43. Father, this is your word. Lord God, we just praise you and we're thankful for your word. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that we can get underneath your word and stop trying to stand on top of it, acting like we got this. I pray, Lord God, for you would lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. John 8, 43 says this. Why do you not? Jesus said this. He's looking at the religious leaders. He says, man, why do you not understand what I'm saying? How come you can't get this? What's keeping you back? 
All right? This is pure truth. This is the truth sharing the truth. All right? This is the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. This is actually truth incarnate. This is God himself sharing the truth. Why can't you receive it? You ever look at somebody and say, man, I wonder why you can't, why can't you understand this thing? Sometimes it might mean me, it might be you. You know what I mean? You ever share with Jesus and people are like trying to be like, hey, man, I want to hear it. It might just be that you have bad breath. All right? And so, you know, I told you before, man, one of the, take mints, very, very important arsenal for men and women of God. All right? And so, um, but why can't you understand what I'm saying? He says, it's because you can't bear to hear my word. You can't handle this, man, because you're living in this lie. You've been living under a lie for so long, all right, that the actual truth starts to feel like a lie to you. You ever see that? You ever have that? You ever experience that? You live under a truth, under, under a lie for so long that when the truth comes, you actually feel like that's a lie. I lived that way for 32 years. All right, my life was just consumed with lies. I came, I was a liar. I was really good at lying. All right, I think, well, if you can be good at lying, okay, maybe I was really bad. No, well, that's, anyways, you know what I'm talking about. All right, and so, you know, and, but, but every time somebody would bring the truth to me, I feel like that's a lie. That ain't right. Because I got so comfortable with my lies as I lived in these lies. Jesus is saying, man, you guys have been taking advantage of the position that God has allowed you people, you, you religious leaders he's talking to. You're supposed to be setting the tone of, of truth and faith and love towards God and love towards your fellow man, but yet you're just bringing all the attention to yourself. You walk around in these big old robes, man, you just want people to recognize a man of God has just stepped into the room, all right? You look for the best seats when you walk into places. Excuse me, man of God coming through, all right? You want to have people honor you everywhere you go, all right? You actually are taking advantage of people who are spiritually needy, all right, and you're using and you're abusing the spiritual needy because you recognize they're hungry and that you look like you're the one who has the food, all right? He says, you know what? You guys are just wrong. You're, you're saying these prayers real long and real loud, and you ain't impressing God. I tell you right now, you're impressing God. You got your reward. He's saying you guys are living under a lie, and the lie has become that you are masters of your own universe, and you're not. He says in verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and you will be, and, you, and your will is to do your father's desires. That is cold right there, Jack. I don't care who you are. When somebody says, you're just of your father, the devil, and you know what I mean? Excuse me, all right? And your, and your will is to do your father's desires. You're just doing what your dad tells you. He was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he lies, when the enemy lies, when the devil lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. How many of you love to be lied to? How many walk in the room and say, anybody here want to lie to me? Because I am feeling it today. Just lie to me, man. Bring it. Anybody? Raise your hand. Let's see your hands. How many hands we got? Nobody wants to <laughs> raise your hand. But you know what? Sometimes we get caught. We get caught living up underneath lies because they feel good. Their lies have become a comfortable way of life. And I got to challenge you, man, how many times have we allowed lies to become a comfortable way of life for us? What lies, excuse me, what lies have you believed about Jesus that you have needed to repent of over the past? 
Think about that. What lies have you believed about Jesus that over the past, you've been finding yourself having to repent of, oh, wow, and just been revealing, well, that was a lie. Well, that was a lie. Well, that was a lie. You see here, we want to make it easier for people to know Jesus, all right? That's, that's our vision. That's, that's why we exist. We want to make it easier for people to know Jesus because there's a lot of people that don't know, well, you know, that they can know Jesus. They're living under this lie that makes them think that, they, that Jesus can't be known. And we want to make it easier. Not so you, you know, we were not that church that says, you know, you got to jump through this hoop and then jump through this one and then jump through this one and then maybe you can know Jesus. But until then, man, we're the ones holding the hoops. Mm-mm. We don't want to do that. We want to make it easier for you to know Jesus. But in the same sense, we want to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that ain't easy. That ain't easy because we've got to shed a lot of the lies that we've been allowing to keep us comfortable over the years and over the years. Think about it. I'm going to ask you, what are, what are those lies that you believe? You know, the, the, there, are, there are a lot of lies out there about God and about life in Christ. There are a lot of lies out there. I want to share with you really quickly the, the top lies that the world and some Christians, even some Christians, believe about God and life in Christ. Number one <clears throat> lie that I've kind of seen constantly in people's life is that, is, that, is that God is not listening, all right? God doesn't hear my prayers. He ain't trying to hear my prayers. How many times have you had somebody tell you that? How many times have you felt like God doesn't even hear your prayers? Like every time I pray, it bangs the roof of the ceiling and comes right back or just falls out of my mouth and just lands on the floor like I just dropped an egg. All right, how many of you guys feel like that's your prayers? How many people, have you had people come and tell you you that that's their truth that they're living? Well, that is a lie because God does hear your prayer. I would challenge you to recognize there is one prayer that God wants to hear first out of every human being. You know what that prayer is? Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Lord God. Thank you for the resurrection, Lord God. I believe, Lord God. Number one prayer God wants to hear out of everybody's mouth. I guarantee you, begin with that prayer and you have gained an audience with God. He sees you. He hears everything you're saying. There's not a thing that comes out of your mouth that he does not hear. I'll challenge you to that right now. He knows everything. But you want you want him to lean in Thank him, truly, from the inside out. Thank him for the cross. Thank him for the resurrection. And then follow it up with a true declaration. I am yours. I'm yours. I don't know what today holds. I don't know what is going to go crazy today, but I know you got this, and so I'm yours today. Another lie people believe is church is not necessary. Church ain't necessary. I don't need it. Maybe, maybe that understanding of church is not necessary because what you're thinking is like a few of our people say, I don't need to go to church, worship God. I worship God out here in the woods. Yes, you can, and yes, you should. But you see, Jesus Christ, he died for the church. He died for the church, and then, and then the Holy Spirit filled each man and woman of the church. This, again, is not the church. You are the church, and God has filled you with his spirit so that you can change the world. The church is extremely necessary. How about number three? Just be good, man, more than you are bad. That's all you got to do. How many were really bad last night? Raise your hand. And you think that coming here today, I'm going to be really good. See, Lord, look at it. I'm here now. <laughs> I know last night, we just won't talk about that. Anyways, all right, <laughs> think about it. Well, again, that's not true, man. Because one sin, 
in your life is all that it takes to separate you from God. And every, there's not a person on the planet except for Jesus that has not sinned. So there's no, it's not possible to be more good than you are bad. The only one that is more good than you are bad is Jesus Christ. Receive the Son. How about number four? God is not concerned with, about the little things in my life. Yes, God is concerned, all right? He does, want, he does care about what you eat for breakfast. He does care because he, he, you know, he created you, all right, to live, and he put everything on this planet that we need, all right? And God is very, very much in tune with every little thing in your life. Number five, God uh, just wants me to be happy, right? You ever heard this? God just wants me to be happy, all right? That's why I don't go to church anymore, because I'm never happy there, all right? <laughs> God just wants you to be happy. Let me just challenge you to something, man. You know, yeah, I'm not saying God wants you to be unhappy. I'm sure God loves, you know, your, 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 like, like, desires you to be, have a good and, 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 and fruitful life. But before happiness, God is more concerned with your holiness, and sometimes holiness, man, will create some pretty unhappy moments in your life. <laughs> but there's a refining process that's taking place. Number six, your behavior affects, you know, my, be my behavior affects God's love for me. You know what I mean? I know he's just, again, it's that good and bad thing kind of thing, you know. I know that, that, that if I'm good, he loves me more. If I'm bad, he loves me. You know what? God, just like a good parent with their children, you can't love them anymore. It's impossible to love them anymore, and it is impossible to love them any less. That is a lie, all right, that God wants, you know, he, he, he loves you. There's no way he can love you more, and there's no way he can love you less. He loves you so much that he sent his only son to give his life for you so that you can be with him because he knew you'd never make it. Number seven, the Bible is mostly about, mostly about rules. Now, the scriptures are mostly about his holiness before you and his love for you. That's the scriptures. I mean, there's these lies that are out there, man, all right? And we have fallen under them and we're living underneath them. You know, here's the thing, man. The truth about these lies, here's this crazy statement. The truth about these lies is that it's easier to live these lies rather than the truth that they actually oppose. Now, those are easy. It's easy to fall into those categories of those and just live under those lies rather than the truth that oppose them. And when lies become a way of life, all right, here's the thing, man. When lies, and you, you've been there, we've all been, when lies become, and some of us are actually still there, when lies become a way of life, they don't look like lies anymore. At least not to the one that's living them. See, that's why the Apostle Paul continues in Ephesians chapter five, verse six, we'll be in verse six through verse 14. That's why he continues, all right, in the scriptures, and he's leading us. Because he not only wants us to recognize, all right, the lies that may try to just control us, but also the life in Christ that reveals those lies and brings truth. Ephesians chapter five, verse six, he says this, let no one deceive you with empty words. He says, let no one Deceive. There's a lot of deceivers out there. You know it. You used to be one. Some of you might still be messing with that a little bit on and off. There's a lot of people trying to lie to us and deceive us. Or some of us might still be under that kind of bondage. Okay? I understand that. There's a lot of deceivers out there. And sometimes even in the church, he says, don't get caught sleeping. 
He says, they're going to deceive you with empty words, mindless words, fruitless words, words that have nothing that lead to nowhere. Verse 7, he says, don't become partakers with them. All right, he says, don't become partners with them. Don't be a partner with them. Now, he's talking about, about, about participation and not proximity. He's not saying, don't be around people. All right, don't be around these kind of people. Don't ever go around them. Don't let them get near you. He's not talking about proximity, man, because how are people going to see the light if you ain't near them? All right, we'll get to that in a minute. Not to mention, man, eh, we'd have to leave the planet if that was the truth. He's saying, he's talking about participation, right? Sharing in their practices, sharing in their purpose. You see, if you've given your life to Christ, and we're going to get there in a minute, and we probably should just wait till we get there, but if you've given your life to Christ, these people need you. But you need to be sure of your life in Christ so that you're not tempted to become a partner with them, a partaker. We like to use that word partner here at the church a lot. We don't use the word member or be a member of the church because you could be a member of all kinds of things and never show up. But when you say that I'm a partner, you're saying, I'm going to go out here to these tables. I'm going to sign up on this thing. I want to be a part of what is taking place here. Our definition for partner at the church is simply this, one who is actively involved in the movement of the vision and mission of the church. Did you hear that? One who is actively involved in the movement of the vision, making it easier, and the mission leading people to grow of the church. Usually this is expressed primarily through being in community, through serving, through giving, and sharing Jesus. See, we're partners in purpose. We're partners in our work, and we're partners even in the results. Partnership is a big deal. He's saying, be careful not to be partners with a liar. It doesn't say you can't love a liar, because I love, there's a lot of people I know they're living underneath a lie. And I love them, man. And I know Jesus died for them. And that's important. We can't get this twisted. He says, for at one time, look at verse eight. For at one time, check it out, man. At one time, remember that one time? All right, at one time, you were darkness. He doesn't say you were in darkness. Did you notice that, the language here? He didn't say, yeah, at one time, remember that time you were in darkness? It was all crazy. No, he says, remember you were darkness. One time you were darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. And this idea of darkness is not just the absence of light. A lot of time we look at darkness, we're like, oh, it's pretty dark. All right. It's not just the absence of light, but in this sense, it is the absence of truth. The absence of truth. What makes places that are even lit up very, very dark. Let me just tell you this. When, when you are living a lie, even the truths that you tell Fall short. He says, but now, he says, check this out, but now you are not in, you're in. He says, you are light in the Lord. You're not in the light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. Or your whole life lights up the place. When you walk into work, man, the place should be brighter because the truth just walked in. The truth of Jesus Christ. When you go to school, the, the truth of Christ just walks in. When you walk into your home, when you walk into your family, so when you go visit for Thanksgiving, you know what? You can say, don't turn the lights on because I'm here. No, you don't go there. All right? <laughs> don't worry about it. I got this. No, <laughs> no don't, let's not get it twisted, all right? Is it your whole life, you know what I mean? It basically lights up the place. 
These are the kind of heroes, man, that the world needs right now. You are the heroes that this world, we love watching these shows about heroes, man, and overcoming, you know, insurmountable odds and just kind of just changing, all right, the environment. That is you. You're the heroes that the world needs. Men and women, men who bear the light of Christ, the truth of Christ, who no longer are going to be submitting to lies, but rather revealing truth. That's what the world needs right now. And you got to remember, man, this is a good game. We can't get it twisted. You're not the reflection of the light. I mean, you're not, you're, you're not the light. You're just the reflection. You're not just the reflection. But you're not the source, basically, what I'm trying to say. You're not the source of the light. So a lot of men and women, you know, like these, these religious leaders that God, that, that God himself was talking to, Jesus was talking to, they felt, it's like they were the source of the light in the community. Now, they were supposed to be the reflection. And, they're, they're, and Jesus is, you know, um, basically, in his calculations, they were poor sources. Uh, poor reflections, actually. We're, we're, we're to be the reflection of the light of Jesus Christ. He is the light, and Christ in you reflects that light. You ever, I don't know about you, I can't stand dirty mirrors. All right, dirty, mirror, dirty side mirrors and stuff like that, and your review mirror, it just, I can't stand it. I will pull over. If something gets on my mirror, I will pull over. All right, if I go through some puddles, of, I got well, to pull over and clean the mirrors, man, because I want to see what's happening. I want a good reflection of what's going on back there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Otherwise, I'm freaking out. All right? I just got to see it. All right? Same thing. I want a good reflection. I, wanna be able to, I don't want to be a dirty mirror when I'm walking around in the community. I want people to, to be able to see Jesus. Can they see Jesus when they're looking at you? I was in Hollywood a few years ago, right? And I was just hanging out uh, up there, you know, and, and, and I ran into a pastor. I met a pastor there, right there in Hollywood. And he had a church in Hollywood. I thought, this is interesting. I want to hear about your church, man. He started telling me about his church and I started feeling like kind of, I don't know about this, man. I just, some of the spirit of God in me was just kind of just saying, you know what, this is, something ain't right. You know, and I, he was just, he was trying to convince me. He says, you need to come over here and pastor and be, you know, start a church in Hollywood, dude. He said, can you imagine how much money you'll make? Exactly words. He said, you can't imagine how much money you'll make as a pastor over here. He was driving a brand new Corvette, dressed brand new, and just like real, real sharp. I didn't want to touch him because I felt I might get him dirty. But the fact was, he was very, very dirty. And I'm going to share this. I'm just going to put him on blast. All right. Uh, you, I've got his name and address. It'll be, uh, no, just kidding. All right. Anyways, he's telling me, man, he's like, yeah, man, you make all kinds of money. And then he's telling me, and he's telling me these stories, and he's suddenly giving me hints of his lifestyle outside the church and some of the promiscuous sex that he's been having. A pastor of a church in Hollywood and his drug use. And I told him, man, I said, check this out, bro. You know what? The only, I, starting a church sounds like a really good idea because I would want to come here and show him what a liar you are. That would be the only reason I would start a church in Hollywood. I felt bad about that, but not really. Are we walking around with a dirty mirror, a poor reflection of Jesus Christ? Because he's saying, look at man, okay, the lies, they're out there and they're gonna be out there. But truth needs to be there to reveal the lies. Look at in verse nine, he says, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good all that is right, and all that is true. Fruit, basically the result of being this reflection of Jesus Christ, is, you know, is found. The kids, 
that come around and see you. The, the kids, the, the kids, maybe the children in your family, children in your neighborhood or whatever, do they see a reflection of Jesus Christ when they see you? It is so important. It is so important. He says, the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And verse 10 says, and so try to discern, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Try to discern. He says, in other words, this word discern means put it to the test. What is pleasing to the Lord? And too often we think this is, that, 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 that this is again, good deeds and bad deeds. Well, try, I'm going to have to do more stuff that makes him happy rather than more stuff that doesn't make him happy. All right? And it's not, it's, it's not that complicated. When it comes to pleasing the Lord, it's not that complicated. There's an Old Testament story back in um, Second, Second Chronicles. There's a cat named Asa. He's, a, he's basically, a, he was the king of Judah, all right? And, and this is the time when Israel and, and was, was divided. There was a southern kingdom and there was a northern kingdom. And these guys were kind of having their own civil war. And can you imagine God's heart when he's seeing his kids just go at it with each other? Many of us are parents here and we can't stand it when our kids fight. We just want them to love one another the way that we love them, right? If you can only love one another the way we love them. Man, there's a, there's a glimpse of the father's heart right there. All right, but, 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 but the kingdoms were fighting against one another. And, and, and Asa was, you know, every once in a while he would pray and God would bless that prayer. And then every once in a while he just kind of go out on his own. And here's what he did. He went out and got this other kingdom that had nothing to do with Israel or the people of God, but this, 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 this kind of heathen country, all right, to come in. Help me come and just kind of beat down my brothers and win. And they did. And they came. And Asa won. How, that would burden my heart. If one of my kids went and got somebody to come help him beat up one of his brothers or sisters, that would break my heart. And when we're talking about it, he says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Well, that definitely isn't pleasing to the Lord. And look what basically the Lord says. He sends this Hananiah or Hananiah, one of those God Ananias guys, to, uh, to God, I mean, to Asa, and tells him this. He says, check this out, man. He says, the eyes of the Lord, in first, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro, to and fro. Every time I say that, it trips me out to and fro. And I was like, I looked that up. Like, what does to and fro mean? The first definition came up. It was hither and thither. I was like, hither and thither. That doesn't help. All right. He says, but it basically means to just roam about. The eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose hearts is blameless towards him. He said, you've done foolishly, Asa. You know, from now on, you're going to have wars. Blameless. What does that mean, blameless? That is whole, that is unmixed, that is completely his. What does God want for you, from you most? What is most pleasing to the Lord? When you trust him in love, when you lovingly trust him. He says, try to discern, put to test, put to the test what is pleasing to the Lord. This is the light up, this is the lit up life, man. Trust in him in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. You know, and this trust that leads to obedience. What is obedience? Again, the Bible's a whole book of rules. Man, there's two rules. Love the Lord your God with everything you are, and now love what he loves first, which is your neighbor, mankind. In verse 11, he says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, 
but instead expose them. And what this means, it means just shine your light upon them. I remember when I see when we first started the church, man, every once in a while, I'll still go out and hang out in these bars, man. I like to go out to the bar, ride my motorcycle out there, start talking to people, shoot some pool, chop it up a little bit. People will ask me, you know, we start getting a conversation. I can't tell you how many times, man, we shoot in pool, somebody say, hey, man, well, what do you do? Well, I'm pastor of church. <laughs> Scratch. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm pastor you know, of the church, man. All of a sudden, they start confessing their sins and stuff like that. It's crazy. You know, I mean, I'm not in there getting all hammered back, you know, dancing on the table and stuff like that. Not anymore. I mean, last week, okay, that was crazy. No, I'm just kidding. All right? <laughs> no, man, but you just try to you bring the light into dark places. And it exposes real life. All I told this guy, man, was he said, is that, you know, Jesus loves you, and he's here right now. I don't tell me how many times you talk to people, and they start bringing that out. Well, you know what? And, and they start telling your life story, and praise the Lord. All you did was bring the light inside a dark place. Look at verse 12. It says, for it's shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. And what's crazy is a common habit of many Christians. All right, under the guise of prayer requests, all right? <laughs> well, we need to pray for, you know, so-and-so because here's what she's been doing. And there's this, con- this big old conversation taking place, which is not healthy. All right? Instead, we, you know, of letting your light shine, we, bring, we talk about darkness, and that's uncharacteristic of light. Light doesn't sit there and just talk about darkness. Light lights the place over and over, I will tell you guys again, instead of going out there and just condemning the darkness everywhere you see it in the community, go and turn on some lights. Amen? Verse 13 says, but when anything is visible by the light, it becomes visible. Light by nature reveals what is is basically in the dark. Your life, all right, exposes the light, exposes the dark world around you. And this is not you going out and ratting people out. This is literally you just being the light. There's a guy, I don't know if you guys ever heard of uh, Michael Franzese. All right, Michael Franzese. Here's a picture of him real quick. Michael Franzese was actually a mob boss. Okay, maybe we don't have that picture. All right, anyways, he was actually a mob boss back in the early 80s and 90s, all right? And he was the son of another mob boss, uh, Sonny Franzese and they were part of the Colombo family and big, one of the part of the five families, you know, that were here just kind of just running rampant. He was going to be a medical doctor at first, but by, by the age of 22, his dad says, no, I want you to come into the family business, all right? And uh, the night that he was made, that he was actually inducted into the mafia, they, they, I think they even did this in a church. They brought him in the church and they had to give a blood oath. And that night they told Sonny, they said, tonight you are born again into a new life. That's the exact words they used for him, all right? They use those exact words. You're, you're born again into this new life. And he started to just live like crazy. Fortune magazine uh, said he was one of the top 50 mob bosses in the world at that time. He was making anywhere from five to $8 million a week in both legal and illegal, illegal activities. That's a lot of money to make in one week as you know, a lifetime, you know what I mean? But that's what he was doing. And then one day he met this girl who, was, who gave her life to Jesus and did not compromise. And he went to her house, right? He went to her house to kind of hang out for her. She invited him to dinner with her mom, and her mom was sold out Christian. She had a prayer book right there on the table. 
And when he sat down and she, he said her name, she opened the prayer book and she wrote his name amongst other names and said, you know, and set it aside. And he was like wondering, what the heck? He's a mob boss. What are you writing my name down for, woman? You know what I mean? This guy crazy. And as they were having dinner, the mother says to him, and I have the exact words, this is what he actually says. She says, she said, I have a feeling that you're going to be sharing the gospel with millions of people at some point in your life. Literally told this mob boss this. And, and his, his, his then girlfriend, soon to be wife, actually told her mom, mom, please don't scare him. I'm hoping for a Bible study, maybe church attendance. Listen to what the mom says. And Sonny, I mean, uh, Sonny, uh, uh, Michael said, he'll never forget this exact words. She said to her daughter, why would you limit the power of God in anyone's life? I'm going to pray for this man every single day. Sonny actually ended up going to prison on a racketeering charge not too long after that. They gave him 10 years. He only did five. All right, he got out on parole and they caught him up because he didn't file his taxes. All right, and they caught him up again. He went back in a second time and they're trying to just get him to rat out people in the boss. And he would not, I mean, in the mob and he wouldn't rat them out, man. All right, and then one day this guard was seeing him and he's in solitary confinement and he started talking to him. He's just like, he's seeing him all curled up, man. He's just kind of, it was like, he's, Sonny says it's the worst. Um, Sonny, Michael said it was the worst time of his life. And this, this guard threw in a Bible. He says, here, man, this will give you hope. He got up and he threw the Bible up against the wall. He's like, what are you talking about? Started cussing him out and stuff like that. And then he started walking around the cell and he started thinking to himself, he goes, you know what? I do believe in God. He goes, maybe I shouldn't make him my enemy. I got enough enemies. His dad even put a contract out on him to kill him. He was, he was you know, nobody leaves the mafia except in a coffin. Anyways, long story short, I'm running out of time here. He gave his life completely to Christ and started following Jesus completely. He married this, this, this young Christian woman. And I was, I was watching, he was giving a testimony. I was actually watching one of his testimonies last night that he gave last year. He said that Fortune uh, magazine that came out, 50 biggest mob guys, he says 47 of them are, are dead, mostly not by natural causes. Two of them are in prison for life. He says, I'm the only one out here left standing. And he's been out there preaching the gospel to literally millions of people, sharing the gospel. Right? So when something is exposed, we have a choice to either go back to the darkness or remain in the light. And remaining in the light, that's what brings conviction. That brings confession. That's what brings repentance. That's what brings change. Ephesians chapter five, last verse right here says this. And if, if anything that becomes, he says, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, wake up, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. He will shine on you, he will shine in you, and he will shine from you and the world will change around you. Those two women, that mom and her daughter changed the world. How many lives do you think they saved? Spiritually speaking, by just remaining consistent, a consistent source and reflect, not source, a consistent reflection of the light of Jesus Christ in Michael's life. A couple of years ago, I asked myself and I asked you guys, I don't know if you guys remember this, on this verse right here, I asked, where am I, Lord? And then I asked, where are you guys? When it comes to ignoring the truth and sleepwalking in these lies, He's telling us to wake up and let our light shine. 
What are some tests that we can put out there to kind of help us recognize whether or not we're living this lie or we're walking in the truth? I got several right here for you, all right? They're kind of long. You might want to take a picture of them. I'm going to be able to write them down. You can review the sermon later. But check this out. When God's word, when the word of God is just words, rather than alive and life-giving, life-sustaining, and life-moving. That's when, you're, that's when you, as a Christian, man or woman of God, are still living maybe under a shadow of lies. Or when prayer is an afterthought, rather than a deep inhaling of a spirit. When prayer is just an afterthought, rather than just breathing God in. God breathes out through his word, and in our prayers, we breathe him in. That is when I'm activating this life. When being in community is, becomes like a popularity contest, or just maybe even it's a struggle to get out of the house, rather than helping one another breathe in Christ together. When being in God, see, the, God wrote the word of God, it was sent us to be read in community, understand into community, and appealed and growed into in community together. Or when serving is just a requirement, I better go out to one of these tables. They're watching. Rather than a rush of my heart. Whenever I'm not reflecting Jesus in any situation, I'm living the lie right out. I don't want to do that. That's what I want you to do. I want you to live a life that reflects Christ in every situation. What is that going to require for you to know Jesus more deeply? What does that look like for you in your life? I can't tell you that. You have to figure that out. But you can begin with this. Repent of any lie that you've believed about Jesus. Repent of any lie that you've believed about Jesus. Turn from any lie. Now here's what I want you to do. There's a lot to do today, huh? But as always... Read the scriptures that we just shared. Ephesians chapter 6 through verse 14. I want you to check out our work. Check our work. See if what we said was true today. And then check your work. Are you living under the truth? And trust his work. Amen. Praise the Lord.